Welcome back to another episode of the We Live to Build podcast. This is episode number 99 with Irakli Litanishvili, the founder of the Aim of Emperor Group, which consists of 15 companies and over 250 employees across charter brokerage, international aircraft handling, aircraft, helicopter, and yacht sales and acquisition, as well as travel and marketing divisions. One of Iraqli's companies, which we'll discuss in this episode, Mirai Flights, just raised a $3 million seed round, so congratulations to Iraqli. What's interesting about this investment is that it's their first venture into IT, and the first time they've taken money from outside of their own group of people running the companies. In this episode, we also talk about how the pandemic has changed the way people travel, pushing them towards private planes, how society is changing, where a larger group of people that are making money and therefore spending them on more luxury travel and goods, as well as the future of travel in terms of how planes are changing into electric as well as helicopters and and yachts as well. So hope you enjoy this episode with Irakli as we approach episode number 100. Thank you very much for sticking with me, and I know you'll enjoy the next 100 episodes. So let's get to the interview. Welcome to We Live to Build. My name is Sean Weisbrot, and I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and advisor based in Asia for over 12 years. Join us every week to fast-track your personal growth so you can meet the ever-increasing demands of the company or companies you are passionately building. Time waits for no one, so let's get started now. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Irakli. I know that you're involved in aviation and you run a group of companies. I'm really excited to hear more about how you got started with your first company and how you eventually developed a group of companies so that people can understand what it's like uh, at that scale. So thank you again. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit more about uh, your group and how you got started? Thank you, Sean. Thanks for inviting. Uh, I'm really excited to share my my experience and what actually I achieved with my group. As you maybe heard, and we, we had a chat before, I, I'm, I'm born in Georgia uh, and then graduated from one of the technical university there, uh, moved down to London, uh, did my master's degree and uh, started my career as a broker to selling charters for the client from small office in London. Later on, I got a couple of offers to join operating companies in UK and start to look after the commercial part of this business, uh, bringing some more clients uh, down to the AOC in UK. After five years, uh, decided to move on and start my own business, you know, from the a management company of the aircrafts as an asset. Then I set up my brokerage company in London, in Malta. And later on, I've got my AOC, uh, where I, I put the, all the aircraft which were under my group's control. Later on, 
we had some other uh, divisions like uh, fuel and handling. Then I've got uh, also the dealership for the Honda Jet uh, in former Soviet Union countries. And in 2019, we decided that we, we should go digital and we set up the company called Mirai Flights, which today presents service to book your private jet or any jet which you would like, the same way as Uber or or any other Lyft or any other companies who provides mobility service. Today, group consists of three divisions. One is the aviation, the second one on fuel and handling, and IT. And my company works more than uh, 250 people right now. Our headquarters in London, Malta, Cyprus. We have other lots of representative office in different uh, part of the world, and we have twenty aircraft under our management, eight helicopters, and all this now goes into the digital world. All right, thank you for the introduction. I appreciate it. You said that you got your start by selling uh, airline tickets, right? Trying to help people book. Yes, book the private jet. That means I've got the phone call. Uh, someone says, okay, I would like to fly from London to Nice. Uh, there are four or five passengers. We would like to have small or medium jet. My job was like to contact the operators to agree the price and then add my margin on top and sell it to the customer. Then all the coordination were on my side. Coordination team met the client in London airport saying hello, shake the hand flowers to the ladies, chocolates to the kids, you know, and saying, have a nice trip with a nice catering on board with all these uh, luxury uh, standards. That was my first step into the private jets uh, industry or aviation industry for the highly wealthy individual people. What made you want to focus on aviation going back all of those years? You know, I think aviation should be not only for the luxury or highly wealth people because uh, i think aviation should be our one of our tools like you have today cars trains you know but also the private jet should be uh, the way how the people can easily plan their trip not really stick to the scheduled airlines because you know something happens or you would like to have some other time of departure some smaller airports you know it gives you a little bit more flexibility and this flexibility should be also available for the quite a big audience, you know, not only high level income people, but also the top management, middle management. And how many times you go for holiday, let's say twice a year. Are you asking me specifically? Yeah, for example. Before COVID, I would usually go on like a long trip. So in 2019, I did like a four month trip. I went over land and overseas and by, by air to different countries in a nearby area. But then outside of those that time, I pretty much was like in one space for the rest of the... Okay, let's imagine you do quite a big trip, you know, and you would like to cover lots of destinations, let's say in Europe, for example, yeah? And you would like to do this small trips between Vienna or Budapest or Nice or Cannes, you know, and you would like to have a small jet which takes you with your friends. It's about two, three, four people, you know, and you spend not a lot of money, but you put the money which really gives you the comfort and level of traveling. That means, for example, today via our app, you know, we sell small trips up to between three to five thousand euros which might be affordable if you spend a lot of time you work you earn some money you know 
And in the end, you would like also to get some kind of quality service or quality holiday. For example, when you have a chance to go with your friend for some opera in Paris, but you at that time, particular time, you're, let's say, in uh, Barcelona, you don't have the tickets. You know, you don't have uh, to spend a lot of time, you know, to plan your trip. You just easily get it like a taxi, you know, and press the button. You have an option. You fly there for the opera and then go back. This was my idea, you know, that I need to change something. You know, I wish that aviation, even also private, also contribute to the uh, environmental sustainability part as well. Because lots of aircrafts are flying without passengers on board. What we're trying to do with our program, we brought the ferry flights directly to the people who are willing to jump in the, on this airplane and fly with this ferry airplane. And that this money goes and we contribute to the program, you know, uh, sustainability program, etc. This is the big combination. You know, you can continue to do business. Uh, you can sell the aircraft. You can operate the private jet or you can do the brokerage. But in the end, we need to do something which is completely similar from the old way of doing business. So we'll get into that stuff a little bit more uh, in depth in a bit. I guess I have a, a small question and then I want to go back a little bit further. Let's say I am in Barcelona. And I do want to fly to Paris for an opera, which I would normally never consider doing. But if I did, how much would it cost to just find what you call a ferry flight to do so, one uh, round trip? Between three to 7,000 euros. I would say that's probably out of the realm for most people. I've been on business class flights over oceans. So for example, uh, one time I flew from Vietnam through Tokyo back to Miami. It was about $3,500 for business class all the way on Japan Air and fantastic experience. Loved it. But it was three flights over 30 hours. So it's it's different than flying from Barcelona to Paris, which is probably hour and a half. Something like this, yeah. For that bottom line of the price. But I can understand some people are in a, a class above where, you know, for them three to seven thousand dollars for that flight doesn't matter but at the same time you know uh according to the uh well fix uh in 2025 i think it's going to be 8.6 million people in europe who earns more than five million dollars per year that means i'm trying to go from the top 100 people or 500 people to this level of the people who earns more than $5 million. And in Europe as a wealthy state, it's going to be 8.6. Right now, it's 5.6. So do you see the price point going down or do you see just more people being willing to spend that? People start to earn more. And the second one, that the price for, for what you're buying this service, it might raise a little bit due to the fuel price, etc. But in the end, we're getting there where, for example, your ride costs are plus minus stable, but we start to earn more. You know, we have lots of people coming now who earns on IT, you know, some other uh, industries, because it, it shows there are lots of people around who are not maybe used to fly with a private jet. But during the COVID, as you mentioned, our group got 64% more clients, the new clients, from business class and from the first class who start to move down to the private jet service. Because during the COVID, you had a problem with the uh, airlines. Also, some people decided not to be on a crowded place. And that's why this particular COVID period showed us there are lots of wealthy 
and really maybe middle class people who may afford this to spend. I don't know if I can call them middle class. You know, I agree with you. It's it's not maybe right to call, but uh, people who earn, I think, more than five million, they're not middle class. Yeah, maybe they're middle class for people who earn between one and a hundred million dollars a year. I was also the guy who used to work in London office. My salary was thirty thousand pound per year. Then it was sixty thousand, then one hundred thousand. Believe me, if I would like to do the present for my wife, even if I'm earning one hundred thousand pounds per year, believe me, to spend ten thousand for the round trip between London to Paris, this is where you sell not only the service but also the emotions. Because you can go and buy the Rolex for ten thousand. Is it right? Yes. But it depends uh, what type of client we have. We have someone who would like to do some special present to the wife or the friend. You know, it doesn't matter. But you can buy once the Rolex. You can buy, let's say, some other watches or some. But if you do, you experience another thing. You know, once a year, you can afford to pay ten thousand. If you earn one hundred thousand, the largest experiential purchase I've made was the zero gravity flight, zero G. Have you heard of them? Yes, yes, yes. Have you done it? No, but I've heard. You know, you never forget this. Definitely. Absolutely. Very fun. So this was a few years ago. My brother really wanted to go, and it was like fifty five hundred dollars per ticket. And I said, Hey, it's going to be my birthday. Let's go do it. I'll pay for your ticket. So it's like $11,000. I think my credit card company probably freaked out. <laughs> yes, but this is what you remember, you know? This is what you you want this experience, you know? We drove to Orlando. We stayed there for the weekend. We went on the experience. And it was way better than either of us could have imagined. So it was great. Now, if you could put zero gravity on a private jet now, <laughs> I would pay $7,000 to 10000 for that experience. I totally understand. I have uh, two friends that run a SaaS business and they help hotels with their um, check-ins and this kind of internal management. And what they discovered was they could help the businesses figure out ways to increase uh, sales through things like chocolate and roses or candles or things like that that they could do or special packages in the areas nearby and put it into the websites to help them upsell. And that also helps their company make money too. I totally understand how having the flowers for the wife and chocolate for the kids and you know caviar on the plane would make some or many people feel really good about their purchase because of how it makes the people they're with feel. I think there is a very strong component to that emotional aspect. And I, I think it's a really great idea. But I'll tell you, for example, for me personally, you know, I prefer not to have any such things like caviar on board or whatever. I'm flying. I always can go to the Starbucks, take my coffee, you know, with my wife. You know, we did lots of flights with Honda from Europe uh, down to Kazakhstan as well, because she's originally from Kazakhstan. You know, when we go to the Pret-a-Manger, you take your sandwich, you take your coffee, some croissants, you know. And it was the fun because it, it, it's not a big airplane. It's just a four-seat airplane. You can have, of course, five and six, but it's four, uh, four-seat airplane with a toilet. And we just watch the movies during the flight, have the sandwiches. This is what I think it private jet should be. It's just not the luxury. It should be the transportation service. It's my personal view. You know, you can have a bigger airplane, of course, which can do Miami, Tokyo. But this is a little bit different thing. Yeah, it's the price is 60 million. But this airplane costs five million, and you spend annually when you own this airplane, 
up to between three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars. That that's all about. You spend all your life working hard. You know, you retired or not retired. You are forty years old. You have a chance, you know, to have such toy. But it's not the toy. It's the same like a car or your Harley Davidson. Because th this is what I see in U.S. and I, I, I really amazed. You know, the people who used to work all their life, they can afford to have this Honda Jet or any other small jet. And travel with the wife, with the kids, you know, from one state to another. This is another experience, I think, which comes more and more. Before it was just that when you go with the bike, you know, from Las Vegas to some other places. Now, later it becomes with the cars, with the vans, you know. Now it becomes to the airplanes where you jump into. If you have a, even the license, you can fly yourself. The aviation comes to our life more and more. That's what I see. I do want to get into some future aspects of aviation, but before that, I want to talk a little bit more about how your group functions. Um, I think people are probably curious because you have you said fifteen companies, I believe. Yes. So, how do you, as the founder of the group, I guess the chairman of the group, manage the group without? Wanting to kill yourself from all of the the pressure from all the companies. Okay, um, uh, when I started my business uh, with my friends, uh, I just was seven people. Uh, when I came with the idea that we need to do the business, you know, what what we understand, you know, we set up the company, brokerage company. I give thirty percent of the shares to the lady who runs it. To another company with the fuel, the same. I gave thirty percent to another guy. In the end, we have now all these companies and inside of these companies we have the person who leads this of course we have a board of directors you know they share the ideas in each company there are three person who takes the decision enough to take the two if they're not agreed about to how to develop or move forward uh, my voice comes uh, to the table in the end the motivation of this team it's not only my company it's also their companies each person runs particular division, you know, aviation, fuel, IT. Inside, we have some different companies. And step by step, first, we created the brokerage company, then asset management company. After they decided that we, we should have our own AOC, yeah? Later on, I decided that, you know, to purchase the fuel or uh, service with the handling, etc., I might save some, some money for my clients. And uh, I decided to create my own company. And step by step, we add these all 15 companies all over the world under one umbrella, but with the different brand names. Because later on, we start to give this service and provide this service, not only for our own group, but also to the whole aviation industry. So how do you split your time on a weekly basis then? It depends on what we have on our table. We have monthly one big meeting uh, where all the parties and all my partners present where we are and where we stand. If we have some other businesses which is need our attention on a weekly basis, we meet as well. But during the day, I just review where we are and where we stand with all these 15 companies. Just reviewing. And if I see somewhere some gap or some alarm comes, you know, then I just relocate myself and look with the particular person who is in charge what might be done or what changes we should do. Uh, that's how it works. In terms of how I'm putting the new business into the group, I'm, I'm giving three years to each project. If after my investment within three years, the company not goes to the operational zero, I just close the company because I'm not giving ourselves time, you know, let's give one year, two years. You know, we have three year plan 
That means after three years, we're not talking about that we, we should return the invest, but after three years, we should not spend any penny to this business. Until today, I had one company which I closed. It was just a catering company. It was quite a difficult business uh, in terms of because catering and uh, delivery it on the private jet, it's always the big challenge. You know, someone wants to have some temperature, French fries, you know, this becomes really crazy. And we said, look, I mean, we're not in the, uh, this position because I set up also the delivery service from the city or downtown to the airport to put it on board, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And this company, Catering Plus Transport, transportation uh, it didn't work properly and uh, i just uh, actually i even not close I, I i i gave it as a present to the partner who decided to stay uh, and after one year uh, it was just a present nothing you know after one year he definitely closed the catering and lived just on the transportation like you know you do the transfer between the airport and the city but it's it's, it's his decision you know i think that's a good goal for three years i think a lot of people give themselves less time with the company i'm doing now I paid for it for about three years. And then I said, I'm done. I like it. I want it to keep going, but I'm done paying for it. And then I started to raise funds. So that was uh, about a year ago. Now, a few months ago, I started being able to take a salary. And so I'm happy. I mean, I don't I don't need the salary, but it feels good. This is important thing. It's the same. Like, you know, you have lots of these uh, games, which comes right now on app stores. When you start to buy some coins to have a chance to purchase some some better unit or upgrade something you know it's the same with the business if you decided to spend particular amount let's spend this money and then give the chance you know at least to see that you start to get something back or even not but not pay more you should stop you know like a trader okay cut it leave it and think about some other ideas or sell to someone who can develop it or just put something into it or even don't sell if you have someone who wants to jump in with you and do something sometimes you know my team they know more than i i'm always listening to them you know because it's important you might have your own ideas your vision whatever it's good you gave it to the group but when someone comes and said look let's consider some other options you should not tell them no no i know how to run my business you always take the feedback because they might see it from the different angle. I think I might listen to my team and uh, my partners. That's also the one of the way how anyone who wants to set up the business and run the business, they should listen to the team with whom they are working. Of course, absolutely. I totally agree. I'm curious, when you're thinking about starting a new company, I assume you're taking either money that's sitting in the group level or you're taking some of the profit from each of the companies individually to, to fund a pool that goes into this. I don't know how you structure it. So I'm curious to know, how do you structure the funds to then go into one of those ventures and either how much do you budget for it? Is it the same for each new venture or does it depend on what the venture needs? How does that look? Whenever I start a new project, I put the money which already earned by some of my companies in the group or I'm putting my own money after the company starts to moving forward. Some of my partners also joins. You know, sometimes we do it straight away or sometimes I'm taking my own uh, money and risk. For example, with IT, I decided to start the project with my partners. I told them, guys, I'm going to fund this. Whole my group, uh, I mean, the, the, the partners in my group, they, they said, why we should go there? You know, we don't understand IT. 
we don't have enough experience. It's not our business. I said, look, we know aviation. The people who I'm, I'm bringing on board, they're IT guys. Plus, there are people with the banking experience. That means if we have these three professional team who puts their knowledge into the project, we should be successful. In the end, I start my all this investment starting from 2019, and uh, we were able to, in 2021 to have product itself uh, in all app stores and Google stores. And uh, within testing regime via our app, we've got the revenue $4.5 million. That gave us the chance straight away to attract the investors who decided now to uh, jump into the seed round and, and put their own money into the project. That's why now it's the first time in my history when I allowed some external funds to enter the group. Before, it was never happened. That's why for me, it's also the new experience. Uh, but what we are really excited because we're learning a lot, you know, with the people who are joining to our team. And let's say, old school brokers and the team members from uh, Malta, from uh, UK, they look at us and saying, oh yes, we see, it, it makes sense. Let's step-by-step step integrate ourselves. That's why what we did actually, we start to shift all our requests and all our clients to our IT platform. That means we're also educating not only our own stuff, but the clients. And it shows that uh, we're all looking to the new digital future. Yeah, I think it's important. I know that probably the people who are using your platform are probably a little bit older. And so for them, it is something they need to be educated about. They're probably used to getting on the phone at any given time of the day or night for one of your customer service people and say, hey, I need a flight you know, in the next 12 hours going this place. And then your person manually does it, right? Yes, but now it's uh, it manual does. Uh, we can do it as well. But now we can also, with this tool, he can do it by himself, just to guide him and that's it. But we'll also keep the client who doesn't want really to use this uh, platform. But eventually you'll have to force them. Yeah, you. I will force them. But it should be some time, you know, we should use to it. When the Uber appeared on market or Booking.com, if we go through the history of the creating of this company, it was the huge challenge to take the taxi drivers to start to use this platform. The same is here. We're getting right now the inventory. We're surprised because... Each week, we're getting between one to two operators joining this platform in Europe, even in Middle East, getting the uh, some calls from U.S. In U.S., we should be probably be within uh, two and a half, three years. Industry, clients, they are ready for such product, you know? It's not an inflection point. It's not a terribly unique thing. It's just automating something that people are used to in a way that's faster for them to handle. Okay, it's faster, I agree. But unique might be different. Uh, other thing, today when you book your flight, you always pay the high amount for your trip. But our platform helps to take out of this route empty ferry flights, which will help you to save up to 70% of your flight. It, let, let me explain you. I mean, you're in Miami right now and you decided to fly to New York. Let's imagine you don't have airplanes around, but you have some airplane just uh, passing through Miami empty, and it goes somewhere uh, next to New York. When you have a system which 
straight away like uh, says operator gets the information that there is decline in Miami, may you pick him up. You still pay this cost as an operator to flying down to New York, and they will add you on board. You know, you will pay of course landing fee and uh, takeoff fee, etc. But then you pay small amount of money and save some money for the operator and part of this money can be used for the environmental programs because this aircraft not gonna leave their co2 footprint you know whatever but this money which you decided to spend and jump on the airplane can be used for the environmental programs i mean it's not unique but we start to change the attitudes towards uh having this service for the individuals you know let's get more into the kind of future of this industry, since I know it's something you're thinking about. Do you see people with private jets doing something like renting out the jets when they're not going to be using them in the future? Kind of like what, what I've heard the future of cars looks like is that no one will own a car. The cars will be owned by Uber or by Waymo or whoever it is. And you will just use them to get around or you may own your car, but your car will self-drive. So if you don't need it, it'll go and pick somebody else up and earn you money as you, as you're working your day or whatever. Do you see planes doing something like that or no? Yes. And I believe it will happen. The, this will happen definitely with the new generation who is coming, you know, when I mentioned there are lots of people who starts to earn more than 5 million they also would not be happy to spend this all money to purchase the airplane. In this case, they are the better to share it. Or even if you have the airplane, you put to the program where someone can also use your airplane and it will come more and more within the next five to 10 years. What do you think it'll take for that to become something people really want to do? It's also about, uh, I think, too many airplanes uh, if we produce today uh, and we have lots of inventory around yeah someone needs to or renew it or decided what to do with the old fleet that means the old fleet should go to some program i think the way if you would like to purchase your aircraft for yourself the new one what are you going to do with the old you're going to sell it and buy the new one i think more and more we see that as you mentioned we're not buying any more cars in the city. We start to use Uber. Then later on, when you have a self-driving cars, you even don't need to have parking in your in your garage, any car which you're not using. Yeah, that means you start to put it to the program, which someone can use it for themselves. You know, maybe you're not going to even fly a lot, but you still would like to have this feeling that you can have it. I don't know. I mean, my personal opinion that that's going to happen first in us and it's going to be then coming to the europe because you us still you know more mature with aviation and there are lots of airplanes can be easily integrated to this program in europe it's going to be difficult to do but in us market i think it's definitely going to be very soon because we see lots of companies who are merging right now they're growing their fleet and then in the end, they're going to combine it to the club membership system, which will allow you to do this. Even we have this uh, fractional ownership, for example, yeah? But this fractional ownership will move soon to the club program uh, or the card program, whatever we call it. There was the chance to set up about, I think, 10 years ago, but the, itself, the 
people uh, were not ready to share something. Today, we are ready to share our car, uh, let's say our apartment, uh, and I think airplane as well. So the next thing I'm interested in talking about is the electrification of airplanes. And I know that's something else you're thinking about. So what do you think about where the electrification of airplanes is right now, what the next steps look like, and, and what will be required for it to become, what changes how the airline industry is right now? Because everything is still with jet fuel. Uh, look, I mean, it's all about the battery. As soon as we'll have the battery, which allows us to fly, and also this battery will be not for only one and a half hour or something, but longer distance then it uh, will be realistic and it will happen, of course. Then we need to think about uh, how we're going to regulate this, how the government look into this topic, because there are too many steps which needs to be done before. But uh, electric uh, airplanes or helicopters, it's, uh, it's not the future. I think it's uh, our reality. Today, we, we have lots of airplanes and helicopters who are already has uh, this technology. And it's all about how we're going to uh, upgrade and develop it. it. It's not the future. It's uh, it's our today. What's the price difference between an electric and a non-electric, let's say, helicopter right now? You mean operational expenses or for how much you're going to purchase the uh, asset itself? Both. Whatever new comes, uh, I think the good example is Tesla. Yeah, How much Tesla cost? $100,000? Is the same like uh, you, you buy regular BMW or Mercedes, sometimes even more. It's all about the technology plus marketing. Yeah, that means I don't think so that uh, we're going to save something on uh, on the price of the asset where we can be able to save maybe it's on the operational side. Even if we're talking about the expenses, yeah, money-wise, okay, it's going to be minus 20-30%. But from other side, we're going to have some other things like which we're going to need to invest to the infrastructure and, and all other things. In the end, plus minus, for, for the users, I don't think so we're going to save a lot. But we will help our environment not to have CO2 and all this rubbish, you know, which we have, for example, when using the petrol and all other things. There is one thing about that which I've gotten into before about electrification and all that. While the electrification of things is important, the problem still lies in the manufacturing to make that thing because the raw materials to put together the assembly line and the manufacturing, the facility and all of that still requires machines fueled by fuel to mine those raw materials and to put them together. So I feel like it's kind of a pipe dream. We can say, oh, we've got this this thing, it's electric, it does a good job, but where are you plugging it into? A unit that gives you energy powered by fuel, unfortunately, because yes. most electrical grid is powered by fossil fuels, unfortunately. This is also the good uh, point, and it's right. I guess I don't really have a question or a point there. I just It boggles my mind because everyone says, yeah, we're, we're working on, there's solar power, there's wind power, there's geothermal, there's all of this, there's electrical power. But all of those things 
the hydroelectric dam, every part of it comes from a manufacturing line that was powered by fossil fuels, right? The solar cells, the photovoltaic cells, they all come from fossil fuels. Like there's no way around it. Yes, it's it is it's the circle, you know. That that's why we need to think about with the existing technology we have or whatever we have today, what the contribution we do. You know, if we're talking here not about what contribution can be done to keep the earth and the same green and fresh and not to destroy what we have right now, you know, because whatever we put, you mentioned, uh, like uh, in the new technology, it will still put some in position, you know, to go back and take from the mother earth all what we need. The best way that I can think of it is we burn fossil fuels to build the next generation of technology that builds the next generation of power that is renewable and doesn't create carbon emissions. However, from there, even if everything is electrified, solar powered, uh, wind powered, geothermal powered, nuclear powered, even if we are completely non-reliant on fossil fuels, still you will. we will still have machines that are mining from the earth to create more of those machines with the clean energy standards. So as long as we continue to have capitalism as this mindset for progress and productivity, we're going to continue to destroy the planet. Even if we change everything about how everything works, it's really kind of messed up unless we get to a point where we can mine the moon or we can mine Mars or we can mine asteroids where we're not mining from the earth and then we don't hurt the planet anymore. We're just hurting other planets. Uh, This this is really terrible thing, you know, it's going (laughs) to, you know, we destroyed it here and we we go now with some other planets, you know, we do the same, you know, but at least we won't be using fossil fuels. To, to destroy those planets. You never know. Well, if those other if those other places don't have fossils, they don't have oil, you know, and it will be too expensive to take oil off world. We'll find something else. Destruction finds a way, right? Exactly. So is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to kind of help to, to say to conclude and wrap up this episode? I think we still need to be positive about uh, what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, whatever comes today, we should be able to at least uh, to implement to the existing reality. And uh, I hope even you mentioned, you know, what comes uh, next in, in a technology-wise should not be so harmful for the new generation. Is there any way that people can follow up with you? Uh, yes, LinkedIn or Twitter. So if you like this episode, definitely reach out to Iraqli through the methods mentioned in the show notes. And don't forget that entrepreneurship is a marathon, not a sprint. So take care of yourself every day. Thank you, Iraqli. Thank you, Sean.